You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. I'm Andre Prue from AndreWineReview.ca. And I'm Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. Being reminded of that uh, podcast we did, Andre, when we talked about tasting while sick. Yeah, I think uh, your, what is it, two and a half month vacation is finally catching up with you? Something is. So I, I do have a question for you, Andre. What's up? Um, what's been going on the last day, nine weeks? <laughs> I, I see you've uh, you've given my chair away to any Tom, Dick, and Conrad that's walked through the door. So <laughs> what uh, what's going on? You know, it was a good opportunity to sit down with uh, with some of those people. I really did enjoy the podcast with Conrad, and I know we're going to have to have him gone have him on again in the near future because he is such a wealth of knowledge about how the industry works. And well, he has a, he, he a legacy, but he's a legacy in a in a different way. He's a legacy on our side. Yes. So, but that that being said, though, like legacy. like once you get past that sort of outside layer of Ontario wine knowledge, where you've been down to Niagara a few times, been to the county, been to Lake Erie North Shore, and you've got your favorites, and you really want to dive into it. I know the book is like thirteen years old now, but Conrad's book is still a really great guide to see where people were working and kind of to get a good look at the who's who of the Ontario wine industry even now. You know what? It's still a great history. And uh, I'll be honest, when I do some writing that I talk about uh, history in any way, shape, or form of Ontario, I always use it as a guide. Always. Well, and it's like it is the... It is the quintessential guide for me, and it's uh, it's it's within arm's length of where I'm sitting right now. And it's a fun book to just read because when you're new to Ontario wine, it's fun to read. You know who was making good wine at that point, and what were the the great wines there? Because a lot of those wineries are still making great whatever signature varietal it is. Uh, Connor was writing about, but as you get deeper down the rabbit hole, you see who was making the wine when and a lot of those names are still in the in the book if you were to rewrite it today, but many of them aren't at the same place they were back then. No, no, they've moved on, and it's pretty interesting to see where everybody has moved on to and, and go, wow, they were there. I think that's kind of neat. You also had the winos in. Yes, that was a lot of fun because we had a chance to uh, talk about the, uh, the um, ice wine gala that we both attended at the beginning of the month, and it was nice to talk. Obviously, we talked about sparkling wine, but it was nice to talk about uh, other things too. You know what? I um, I have to tell you something. Uh, I thought about them on my last day of the trip because we stopped at a place called uh, Total Wines. Uh-huh. And we did it on purpose because on our way down, because we, uh, the last trip I made was Florida. I don't know if everybody knows that one. Yeah, the but, great vineyards of Florida. Got it. Yeah, the vineyards of Florida. No, the, the reason I go is for the Total Wines. Let's be honest. If you've never been to a Total Wines, people... Uh, you when you finally realize how screwed we are here in Ontario for selection for you know what the LCBO is screwing us on but anyway i'm i'm going to get off that topic for the moment this if you've never been in one andre it is literally like it's a costco of wine okay. that's it and they do have beer and they do have spirits but i mean it's a costco of wine it's just you know wall to wall wine and uh while we were on our way down it was friday so I said, hey, let's stop and pick up a bottle of sparkling. And I picked up a bottle of Gloria Ferrer Sonoma Brut for $15. $15. 
dollars. Your wife, your wife is could easily have a guest spot on anything the sparkling winos do. Your wife is a fiend for sparkling wine. Oh, she loves sparkling. She that's her thing. So, what ended up happening was I said, "Look, this was really good." I also saw the Gloria Ferrer Blanc de Noir was fifteen dollars. I saw the Mum Rosé was was fifteen dollars, and we just went and we stocked up on on U.S. sparkling wine. The U.S. has no idea how lucky they are to be able to pick up a bottle of sparkling wine, local, $15. We think we're lucky when we pick up $30, but $15, unbelievable. And that's because stores like Total Wines are able to mark it down and play with the price. So you're saying that they're better than the LCBO? Yeah, just a little. Um, and then you had that guy on. Yeah, Steve. Uh, uh, I never understood Steve or something like that. Who was this dude? He's the blind gamer, and actually, uh, it's. I thought you were. I thought when I originally thought it, I thought that's not funny. You're doing a blind tasting with a blind guy. But I mean, it's the sort of thing where, like, um, like Steve's a very good friend of mine. He came to California with uh, Anya and I, and uh, he is a really fun person to taste wine with because I like I don't know if I hammered that point enough on the podcast that we we did. Um, he is the litmus test to whether or not a wine, and I, I put this in air quotes because good is different to everyone. But he's got a great palate. He knows what good wine is. He just drinks it insanely fast. <laughs> but I mean, it's fun. It's 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 fun to open wine with that because I know you you like to entertain and I like to entertain and we always have that person when they come to the house which is like, oh, don't open that for me. There's no way that I'll appreciate it properly. Steve is like the quintessential example of why you should open good wine for people who think they wouldn't enjoy it. Everyone is going to enjoy a bottle of wine the exact amount that they're supposed to in that moment. You know, I I, I don't know about you, Andre, but when you entertain. You know, you try that wine, you let everybody taste it, and, and and you pour them the glass. Are you now looking forward to your next bottle of wine because you know it's going to even be better or you want to see what people think about it? Or do you kind of enjoy that glass while you're at it? I enjoy that while I'm at it. But at the same time, I like looking around the table to make sure everyone is enjoying their wines. And it's, it's one of the nice things about being a, a wino is you've always got more than one bottle in the fridge when you're entertaining. So you can open a bottle of wine, pass it on the table, and it's just like hammering down that point that even though you could be opening like the snootiest of finest Chardonnays, not everyone's going to like Chardonnay. And as much as I love Chardonnay, I've accepted it. Not everyone loves Chardonnay. So you move on to something else. You open up a Riesling, and maybe it's a Riesling that you spent 10 bucks on and you think is so-so. Someone at my table is going to end up loving that wine more than anything else. And it's honestly just fun to not judge people for their taste, but to find out what people like and what they don't like. To your point on Chardonnay, Andre, mm-hmm. I want you to... Are you sitting down? I am sitting down. Okay. I will. I will say this now, but I know... That when I start going to the vintages tastings, I'm going to reverse this. Okay. But, but I really enjoyed the Chardonnays that I tried on my trips. Mm-hmm. Really found the New Zealand ones were fascinating and delicious. I found the Australian ones, although I've never been a fan of Australian Chardonnay, the ones from their cool regions were also delicious. So, and then obviously I came back. 
um, and st- it didn't stay very long, but I, uh, we had some people over, opened a couple of Chardonnays again, Ontario this time, because I wanted to come back home, and still delicious. But I just know I'm going to get into that vintages room in the next few weeks, and a lot of people have been saying, have you stopped doing your vintages tastings? And no, I have not stopped. I just haven't been around to do them. Yeah. Um, I just know vintages is going to set me back another few steps with I, the Chardonnays they bring in. I don't think it will. Um, I can completely, as much as I tease you about it, I, I respect that you've been scarred deeply by a certain style of winemaking that is I have still deep emotional scars, which is, which is fair. I mean, it's the same thing where, you know, I have a friend who won't eat cheese because when he was a teenager ate like a full block of cheese and puked it up. I mean, all right, that's that's stupid. I mean, it is stupid, but you you kind of have these memories of certain things, and it just sticks with you. Where you put your nose in the glass, and you get that whiff of 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 oak, and it's just like, oh boy, here we go again, right? Although and I, I can't do gin, but that's another story. I mean, that's it for me. It's tequila. Um, drink responsibly. Um, but I mean, even with the travels that that I've been doing, whether it's to California or to Oregon, like places that I think are. are well, places that are obviously known for Chardonnay and will be known for Chardonnay. I just didn't find that flabby over oak style virtually anywhere. And I know it I know it does exist. And it does come through the vintages tasting section tasting um the vintages tastings. Um it's just not happening that often. Like I would say probably five percent are making it through vintages in what I would consider like a Chateau two by four. See, I would I would give that a little higher. But because uh, I try all the Chardonnays, I don't know if you try them all. I do my best. Everyone knows, like right now, who listens to this podcast, that I'm still in the bottom of a Chardonnay-filled bathtub for the past year and a half. Which reminds me, you've got some pretty exciting news coming up, my friend. <laughs> Which news is that? Oh, well, you got more than some. Oh, I've always got something on the go. Are we talking about the uh, the piece that I'm working on? No. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, I have a Pinot Noir Rosé coming out. I am so looking forward to trying this. You know... I love the label. I think it's fantastic. Uh, it's better than last year's label. Well, you just don't like Henry that much. Oh, I love Henry. He just doesn't won't stop barking when we're there. Yeah, that's true. Um, and he likes to put his head on my shoulder and my, and my crotch. <laughs> and I enjoy that, though. But uh, I really like Henry. Um, but this is a, this is a funny little label. Yes. We called this one when pigs fly and I just want to say why you called it that. I don't even know why you called it that. Yeah. You know, it has something to do with when, when we, so we made wine a couple of years ago at, at Rosewood, which I think many people listening to this know. Some people don't. We made a small batch of Gamay Nouveau and something happened with the wine where it started to re-ferment in the bottle and, I'm putting this all out there. This is something that's sort of been a quiet secret. I've never gone on the record to explain what happened. We made a decision to dump the wine rather than sell it with the fault. And I mean, even with the re-fermentation, it was still tasting good, but we just wanted to make sure we could stand by the product that we had made. Because I remember tasting that wine, and I remember it being a very good wine or a tasty wine anyway yes it was just uh, it was fragile it was it was but, and that was not something was fra- we planned but when i tasted it when it was very fresh yes and then and then i think 
uh, you know, I think I tasted a few weeks later and it was still very good. And then I think you said it was like a month or two or I don't even know how long. It, yeah, it, it, it took a few months, but uh, yeah, unless it was stored very, very cold, it had all of it had started to referment. So, I mean, we we took that. So, I mean, calling it when pigs fly sort of has to do it's, it's a bit of a redemption story on, on our part. And, you know, we learned a lot from the first time around. We learned even more on the second time around. Lord knows that the wine that we made isn't what we were originally planning to do but given how challenging the vintage was you I mean you have to work with what you get from the vineyard and um we're very proud of it and uh i so know yet, it's yet your winemaker is uh, vadim who's the guy from cassava right that's right vadim chalikov is the assistant winemaker at cassava crazy smart very talented and uh I think he's very proud of what he's done too, but I can't speak for him. Maybe we'll have him on at some point to talk a bit about we could, this. We could have him on, chat about your wine, what is uh, what what uh, why he chose what he did to do with it. So, um, uh, yeah, that'd be kind of fun. And uh, I would obviously talk to him because you would have to be, you know, you would have to put your uh, the journalist hat on. I mean, this is it. This this is it. Like I'm 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 happy to talk about it right now, but. Uh, I mean, I'm going to leave the. I, I, there are some bottles in the hands of some journalists. Michael will be getting a bottle, but obviously, I won't be reviewing my own wine. But it's good enough that if nobody likes it, I'll happily drink it myself. Well, you're a rose fiend, so <laughs> bone dry. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll save some more of that. We're really excited. Uh, on Saturday, March 17th, we'll be pouring it at Rockway. So anyone who wants to stop by and and check it out, more than happy to um, to pour it out for you. And speaking about being fiends, I know that both of us are working on articles for uh, Quench Magazine. And yeah. It sounds like the living local issue. So uh, I might as well put a plug in for my article that's going to be there. I'm doing Gamay Noir, which I am so looking forward to. I've done a call out to Canada saying, hey, I want your Gamay. And I've got uh, I got quite a bit. And I'm looking forward to trying BC Gamay. I'm looking forward to trying uh, Ontario Gamay, of course. Uh, nothing from the East Coast, though, unfortunately. So. I had a bottle of Gamay from Prince Edward Island, but I can't remember the name of the winery. Yeah, there was. I think somebody said that that a couple of people are making it out there, uh, but nothing's ready or it's all sold out at the moment. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's actually got to got to be in market. And then before we got on the air, you said something about uh, you've fallen back in love with some sort of blend or something. Yeah. I wasn't listening to you. Uh, yeah, I know you usually tune me out, but that's okay. Um, just the Ontario Red blends made with Bordeaux varietals, and not just because we had a great summer in. 2016 i was just looking back at my tasting notes and i had great tasting notes from henry of pelham the newest trius red from 2015 the 16 uh, is out soon i heard that I, I well hopefully i get a chance to try this for for this piece but i mean it's just that idea that i mean you can go and spend a lot of money on on cabernet franc you can go do that at two sisters at stratus at uh trius at at, at hillebrand um but I'm, I'm sitting here and I was sipping the 2016 13th Street Cabernet Merlot, the uh, Rock Pile Red from Fielding, the Locked and Loaded from Rosewood. And all of these wines cost like 20, 25 bucks. And then I was even thinking of the stuff that I've been tasting at the uh, Vintage Tasting Panels because I, I do like Bordeaux. I still like Bordeaux. And when there's something good around 20 bucks, I usually scoop it up. But it's just like... Why am I why am I waiting for these few and far between bottles to come from Bordeaux when it seems regardless of vintage we've got some really great 
Cab Merlot coming from Ontario. You know, I, I've always said that the 15 is a sleeper vintage. Yes. And, and 16, obviously, is going to be great. So we got two great years of, of reds and Bordeaux reds, Bordeaux-style reds coming out. Yeah, and I'm so, being very I'm being very careful with with saying that because uh, there there is a definitely very distinctly Niagara characteristic to a lot of these wines, and I'm hoping to highlight that in my piece. But it's just something people have to keep their eyes open for, and I'm really looking forward to tasting these wines because none of them are that expensive. Yeah, I don't like so, spending a lot of money. No, I don't either. As 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 my fifteen dollars sparkling wine. Uh, uh, tirade uh showed yeah so there's one last thing that i know that both of us are very excited about what's that uh, that's two guys talking live that's right we're really excited to sit down with bill rettelmeyer and, and the stopwatch and the stopwatch i mean it's a funny thing i've had a chance to talk to bill about this a couple of times and bill is aware that he tells long stories and anyone well, who's if you ever sat in a room with bill you know it's an afternoon yeah yeah. So, but but his knowledge is great because he does know a lot of the history. He knew what he was getting into. Uh, you got to think what he started with. He started up in Richmond Hill. Hey, he hey, this what you're doing is what we refer to in the industry as burying the lead. Oh, all right. Sorry. Bill will tell us about the origin story of Southbrook in his words, and hopefully, we'll get to try maybe a, a new wine or two from there as i mean it looks like everyone in in niagara on the peninsula has been bottling oh yeah i i can't I'm, I'm so looking forward to jumping back in to the niagara wine scene i am so looking forward to this gamay tasting that i'm going to do at the end of the week so if you haven't got your bottles in get them in now uh um, that's shameless that is a shameless plug but i'm willing to do it for gamay my friend Hey, and, here's here's um, one here's one here's one I'll ask you, and and you don't have to answer this if this is bearing the lead on your part. Have you gotten gamay from anyone that has surprised you? Yes, I didn't know the hatch made gamay. Oh, they sent you a bottle, eh? They sent me a bottle. I had uh, one of my colleagues mule a couple bottles for me from the hatch. Their 2014 Mouton Hatch Child. <laughs> He uh, he sent me a bottle of the 13 and a bottle of the 15, I think. The Gamay or the Hatch Child? Yeah. Gamay. Oh, well. I had no oh. idea they made Gamay. Did you know they made Gamay? I did not know that. I have a feeling it's going to be really well made. I have a, I have a really good feeling on that one. Of course, you know, Malabar uh, are in. So, and and I, I kind of have a, uh, for lack of a better term, I got a wine hard on for uh, Malabar's Gamay. So I want to see if somebody's going to be able to knock them off their perch because I think they are the pinnacle of Gamay in not only Niagara, but in Canada. I would, uh, I would agree with, I would agree with that. Actually, it's just the Gamay that I've tasted. The last one that really knocked my socks off too was, um, the Sandstone Vineyard from 13th street as well. And it was just at the point where these wines have the characteristics of Gamay. And, and I mean, they have the characteristics of, of great Beaujolais, but it's not Beaujolais anymore. Like, Niagara is really finding a way to cut its own identity on this grape, and it's just a matter of time before we see more people working with it. Oh, and the other the other surprise, there's a lot of people making sparkling gaming. Hmm. 
Have you had any other ancestrals show up? I mean, Hinterland's always been doing stuff with Sparkling Gamay, and it's been really, really nice. And I know you love the Trius uh, Brut Rosé that also had a Gamay dosage, dosage, right? There's there's a winery out in BC that is making, um, I think it's called Bella Wines, I want to say that. But uh, they sent me bottles of different kinds of Gamay that they are making in different sparkling wines. I think I'm looking forward to that, like really looking forward to it. That's really cool. Yeah. I'll have to let you know how it turns out. Well, Michael, I know we're still in separate cities. I haven't seen you since you've been back, but I am looking forward to seeing and hopefully tasting with you sometime in the near future. It should be shortly. I, I, we're going to be doing it. We, we will definitely get together because I, uh, I'm i not allowed to open uh, the last bottle of sparkling we have without you. Oh, amazing. New Zealand. We went through quite a bit of it. Yeah, I but know. This it's... one's got to be held because Andre's supposed to be uh, in this one a little bit anyway. <laughs> Even though I was kind of rude to you on social media and you said you were going to drink you were very rude to me <laughs> well i hope you're feeling better soon and hopefully I'll, i do too well, i think i'm coming to see you on crash, saturday i can, I can pop and bentisil like pez yep so well you got to uh you got to make sure that you're good and healthy so you can come taste the rosé on saturday i'm looking forward to it uh, i'm looking forward to it as well uh so remember you can subscribe to this podcast i know this was a little bit more of you just listen to michael and i get caught up after he's been on vacation for six weeks wait <laughs> 10 weeks no wait 12 it's weeks been, andre look december december 29th uh i left uh i got back february 6th stayed around for the 7th left on the 8th for italy uh was back uh, oh heck, I don't remember the twentieth or something, twenty second, twenty third, and then left for Florida a week later. So it's been way. I have to tell you, traveling sounds like it's a lot of fun, but man, is it tiring and it's exhausting. And I'm glad I don't have to do it for a while. But I did learn a lot, and I can't complain because I'm sure everybody's like crying right now for me. Yep. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm really sure they are, Michael. Anyways. Uh, yeah, if you haven't listened to the podcast that Michael did from the road, really crazy, interesting stuff from New Zealand, really great discussions with winemakers. Australia was particularly interesting just because you and I had a chance to discuss about the reputation of Australia. And I'm sure it's something we're going to be touching on again in the um, in the near future because it's something I'm definitely curious about because Clonakilla can't be the only great winery in, in Australia. And they are not. <laughs> so anyways, you can subscribe to this podcast. Um, leave comments. Send angry emails to Michael. He's back to uh, answer them now. And look, go to either one of our uh, Facebook pages. Head over to our Twitter account. Uh, or the Two Guys Talking Wines Facebook page. We have the tickets available now for Two Guys Talking Live for Southbrook. Please. Come listen to us talk to Bill, and Bill will talk to you and us as well at length. That's that's a nice beg. <laughs> We're desperate. You want to sign off, Michael? Uh, well, first, he's Andre Prue of AndreWineReview.ca. And he's Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. And good night! Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.